Dorsfield Baptist Church, and we are glad that you are here today. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, you know, that scene, by the way, never grows old. And I want to tell you, those youth up here doing the stick thing never grows old, Brent. I love it every single time. Aren't you proud of our youth? Didn't they do a great job? Come on now. Amen. Let them know. Let them know. That's great. And thanks for the adults that worked with them. We're just really, really appreciative. And then, and then also, um, we, need to, we need to acknowledge a couple of, of old things. Um, first off, our Brother Brent had a birthday on Friday, uh, February 5th, and uh, we are 10 years apart, so he turned 57 years old, and uh, we want to tell him happy birthday. Come on now. Come on. Yeah. And I mean this. I mean this, and he knows I mean this. You know, one thing I love about Brent is his heart. Um, it's just huge. It's just huge. And I'm kind of, he mentors me in my heart business. Uh, he has more patience with people, um, usually, and with, and than I do. And I just really appreciate your heart, brother. So happy birthday. Happy birthday. But that's not all. That's not all. Brother Danny Daniel back there in the back corner, I think still there. Is he back there? There he is right there. Turned 64. 64. Come on, give him a round of applause. And, and that is today. That is today. We even found out there's a Beatles song that says, Will you still love me when I'm 64? Well, Danny, we still love you, buddy. And thank you so much for your service to the church. We appreciate that. All right. Well, listen, we start this brand new series today called I Love Lucy. And no, we're not going to show a Lucy episode every week, but we want to kind of kick it off and kind of get the idea of I Love Lucy and where it came from. You know, it's kind of, we preachers are kind of weird. Sometimes we look at the calendar and that gives us an idea, perhaps, of where God might want us to go. And that's kind of what happened. We uh, have February, of course, and this year, Valentine's Day falls on Sunday, February. February 14th. So it seemed logical to do something about love. And then, because I think weird, somewhere it popped in my brain about I love Lucy. And the, the catch is, the idea is this. You know, if you know anything about the I Love Lucy series, and many of you do, even if you're young, um, it's still very popular among, among audiences. You know, she was crazy, uh, she was a little bit ditzy, um, but she was compassionate, she was loving. She would drive you insane, but at the same time, while she's driving you insane, you loved her. I mean, just really an a interesting person. Well, that's what I found out about life. You know, life is the same way. Um, life is frustrating but joyful. You know, we, we go through all these different things. We get frustrated, and yet we love life. And the people around us, you know, sometimes, you know, you may not know much about Lucy, but we have Lucys all around us, don't we? We have people in our lives that drive us nuts. You're probably married to one of them, okay? And you couldn't do without them, but at the same time, they drive you crazy and nuts. So I thought it would be interesting to take this idea of I love Lucy and, and wait, life doesn't make sense sometimes. Sometimes God doesn't make sense. Sometimes our brothers and sisters don't make sense, and they kind of drive us crazy sometimes. And look at that, and look at four different ideas about how we can better love and live with them. If I can remember right, you know, today we have loving God even when, and then next week, um, we oh no, see, I forgot. Oh no, oh no, oh no, hang on, they'll come to me. Come on, help me, Pooh, help me. I, I did it in first service. I really, okay, scratch that one. Oh wait, I can't remember the second one either. Well, the last one's called Civil War. Oh, 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 number three is called, number three is called Living with Crazy. Living with Crazy. Uh, oh, 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 and, and the second one's called Mad About You, not Mad At You. There, I got them. I got them all out. I got them all out. I think it's going to be four great weeks. I really do. So I'm looking forward to today, um, looking at the idea and the concept, loving God even when. Because, you know, sometimes God doesn't make sense. 
Did you know it's okay to say that? So, in fact, I'm glad he does it. I mean, stop and think about it. You know, he creates Adam and Eve, all right, in the garden, and they mess up. He only had two people. I mean, he could have gone, you know what, let's start over. And so he takes Adam and Eve and sets them aside and then creates two new people, you know, Adam two and Eve two. He could have done that, but he didn't. Instead, based on that two people and his love for those two people, you know, he did. You know, he planned a plan of redemption. So far, it's years and decades and millennium later, we come to this. And, you know, you hear from me all the time, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It doesn't make sense. Why would God do that? Because sometimes he doesn't make sense. Sometimes life doesn't make sense. Sometimes your spouse doesn't make sense. So, you remember the movie... I can only imagine. Remember the song? You know, sang by Bart, the lead singer, and Mercy Me. Well, he wrote another song, and this song was entitled Even If. Now, it's not as dramatic. I mean, it's not as dramatic as an, an abusive dad, you know, in that terrible situation he grew up in, and his dad getting saved and dying and going to heaven. He writes, I can only imagine. But you can identify with this. You can identify. Listen to the words of Even If. They say sometimes you win some. And sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now, I'm losing bad. I've stood on this stage night after night reminding the broken it will be all right. But right now, oh, right now, I just can't. It's easy to sing when there's nothing to bring me down. But what will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am now? The backstory is this. When his son Sam was two years old, he developed chronic and severe type 1 diabetes. And all through his life, he was 15 when the song was written, and all through his life, he suffered with diabetes. And it was very difficult as a parent. You can identify with this. You, you've, had, you've had kids who've had chronic illnesses. You've gone through that stuff. You've seen it in the family before. And so he went through this. And sometimes it was, listen, Sometimes it was hard to trust God. Maggie, sometimes it was hard to trust God. Now, here's what the Course says. The Course says, I know you're able, and I know you can. Save through the fire with your mighty hand. Now, listen. But even if you don't, my hope is in you alone. Listen to it one more time. I know it's not in your notes. It's in, by the way, the worship app. You got an app if you have that open. I know you're able, and I know you can. Save through the fire with your mighty hand. But even if you don't, my hope is in you alone. So what do you do when God doesn't make sense? What, what do you do when he doesn't come through the way you thought he should come through? What do you do with that difficult situation? Well, here's the deal. You remember the last line? Can I read to you one more time? The last line? Even if you don't, my hope is in you alone. See, that's where God wants us to live. You know, you know we, we go on vacations, you know, and I, I think about the hunts, and the hunts love to go to, to um, Disney World. You know, I've been like, like 700 times, almost 800. And they go, and they love it. But, but you know, the, the bottom line is, you know, that's not home. It's just a place that they visit. And God doesn't want you to visit every once in a while the thought that even if you don't, my hope is in you alone. 
He, he doesn't want, when, when you're having one of those really good days and you're on the mountaintop and you go, wow, God, you're my hope alone. He wants you to be able to live there so that when the difficult times come, you still say that. When it's hard, when it's a 2020 year, you still say that. When the doctor says, or the principal calls, or the employment office calls, or your business is struggling, he, he wants you to be able to still say then, even, even if you don't, Lord, even, even if you don't seem to come through the way I want you to, my hope is still in you. And that's what the story's about today. I mean, I absolutely love the story in John chapter 11. It involves the resurrection of a guy named Lazarus. It's one of my favorite stories. So I encourage you to get your Bibles out. We're going to start in verse number 1, John chapter 11, verse number 1. We're going to start there. Again, if you've got your worship app, your device, just go down there to more, click on events, and you'll find all the scriptures there um, today. If you're on Facebook, glad you're joining us. If you're on the radio, glad you're joining us today. But let's look at John chapter 11. And I really want to learn some things that we need to hear today. Um, If you're here today and you're kind of disappointed and discouraged with God, um, either 2020 or something else, okay, this is a good sermon. This is a good sermon. Let's look at verse number 1 of John chapter 11. And it starts out with no big news. No big news. Here's what it says. Now a man was sick. Well, every every since the garden, every since, you know, Eve said yes to sin, and even since, you know, when, when Adam said yes to sin, people get sick and people die. You know, the world that God created was perfect, none of that. And when sin came into the world, so did sickness. So there's no big news in the first part of verse number one. Now, a man was sick, and we find out his name was Lazarus. Now, we're going to find out just a little bit more about Lazarus in just a minute, okay? But we also find out that he has a couple of sisters that you're probably familiar with, and their names was Mary and Martha. So we have Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, and we're going to learn just a little bit more about them in just a moment. But we find out that they were from Bethany, from Bethany. Let me tell you about Bethany. Um, Bethany was um, two miles from Jerusalem. And the reason that's important is because the, the epicenter of all things God, okay, the epicenter of all things God is Jerusalem. If God's going to work, it's Jerusalem. If God's going to show up, it's Jerusalem. I mean, it's, it's the epicenter place where God does his stuff. And he shows up. Well, Bethany is like only two miles from the epicenter. Now, again, if you have a massive earthquake, whether you're at the epicenter or two miles from the epicenter, you're going to get shook. Okay? So, so it's really important to note that they are right in the middle where God does stuff. Okay? And now let's learn just a little bit more about Mary and Martha. In verse number two, now keep in mind, verse two was written after the story. Okay? So, so John is trying to get us to understand, well, who is this? You know, somebody, who is this Mary? Uh, you, you, you got Lazarus and Martha and Mary. Who is this Mary? Okay? And John tells us, it was, oh, John is the one, or, excuse me, Mary is the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and then wiped his feet with her hair, and it was her brother who was sick. So, so to help understand who is this, these characters, okay, John says, do you remember you saw in the evening news you remember on the evening news, and there was a woman that was famous. Um, she actually went into a, you know, to a party they were having and poured this really expensive perfume on Jesus' feet and then took her hair and washed his feet. with your, Oh, yeah, I saw that on the news. I remember it was really big stuff. Yeah, what's her? That's her. That's the Mary I'm talking about. 
It's not Mary, the mother of Jesus. It's, it's the Mary that, that washed Jesus' feet with the oil. Well, you, it was her brother that was sick. You know this Lazarus guy we mentioned? Well, it was her brother that was sick. Okay? So, in verse 3, we get a little more information still. So, the sisters sent a message. And the message is this. Lord, the one you love is sick. The one you love is sick. So, here's what's cool. So, Martha and Mary... Deeply love Jesus. Okay? And we're going to find out in just a moment that Lazarus is deeply loved by Jesus. Okay? So you've got, you've got these people living at the epicenter where God does big stuff. Big stuff. Okay? And you've got two people who deeply love Jesus. And by the way, hint, you know, spoiler alert, we're going to find out that Jesus loves them too. Okay, so, so you got these two women who deeply love Jesus, and then you've got a guy that, that Jesus loves a whole lot, and he's sick. Now, in Western culture, this is a no-brainer. This is, this is you know, hey, when, when you love God, okay, and God loves you, free pass, free pass, I mean, they're going to get what they want. They're just letting them know, hey, listen, Lord, the one you love is sick. Just take care of it. And sure, you know, you fully expect Jesus to say, absolutely, we're going to take care of this one. Not a deal. See, that's what Western culture's done. See, we, we have a God, okay? And the idea of Western culture is whether it's, whether it's some teacher that, you, that you, know, you listen to and they taught you that. Maybe you watched television and you saw this, okay? And the idea is, if you do what God wants, if you pray and if you give money, if you go to church, you get a free pass. You don't have to suffer. And if you should accidentally accidentally get sick, not a problem. You have to get COVID. If you accidentally pick up a germ, no problem. Because, see, you love Jesus and Jesus loves you. And everybody knows if you love Jesus and Jesus loves you, you're going to get healed. The only problem is, that's just not true, is it? That's just not true. It, it just doesn't work out that, that way. I mean, I, here's the scary part. You know, we've all seen the folks on TV, you know, where they you know, breathe on people and slap people, and it's prosperity gospel. The problem is it's not just prosperity gospel. It has just infiltrated the churches. We kind of just have been raised and believed that if we do what's right, then, then God's going to give us what we want. You know, put a quarter in the soda machine and you get a soda. You know, rub the lamp, the genie lamp, and you get your three wishes. We treat God like he's a soda machine and we treat God like he's a genie. And the tr- truth is, it's just not so. See, life is life with all its potholes and bumps. Life is just life. It's just life. It's got potholes and it's got bumps. And listen, life happens to good people and life happens to bad people. You know, difficult circumstances happen when you do everything right, and difficult circumstances happen when you do everything wrong. Life is just life. And here's the deal. You know, you know what the big deal is? Okay, why are we surprised? Why are we still going, I just can't believe they got cancer. They love Jesus so much. I can't believe Tom Seipel who went to Nicaragua, Nicaragua, <laughs> Nicaragua, and, and, well, we'll leave it there, okay, and, got, and he, now he's got cancer, and unless God intervenes in a miraculous way, he's going to die. Our missionary, our favorite missionary, you know, Judy Miller, we prayed for her sister because she had a stroke, a massive stroke, 
And, and this was the caretaker. While Judy's over in Africa doing Jesus stuff, this sister was taking care of Mama. And she has to smash a stroke. And she died. You know, what? Wait, wait. I thought missionaries got a free pass. I thought it was happened. No, no. See, life happens to everyone. But we're surprised when bad things happen. Listen to what Jesus said. This is John chapter 16, verse 33. Are you listening? You will have suffering in the world. Okay, can I ask you a question? Why are we surprised? When, when, these difficult, when 2020 happened, why were we surprised? When, when, when COVID came, why are we surprised? Why are we surprised when we read on Facebook that someone that everybody knows has cancer or a marriage falls apart? You know, why, why are we surprised when suffering comes in the world? When Jesus said, you will have suffering in this world. But you know what Jesus said? Be courageous. Kind of reminds me of Joshua 1.9. Be courageous. Well, why? Because I have conquered the world. I have conquered the world. I have conquered the world. Now, there's a, I picked up a saying um, Two or three weeks ago when I was back teaching with IBSA, a preacher said this, and I really liked it, so I want to include it this morning. Here's what it says. You know, it says, uh, remember, remember, a turn in the road isn't the end, and I'm going to put of the road. A turn in the road isn't the end of the road unless you don't make the turn. Isn't that good? It really is. So, newsflash, you're going to have turns in your road. You're going to have potholes in your road of life. You're going to have holes in in your road called life. And man, there's going to be some turns. And those turns don't have to be the end of the road. Unless you don't make the turn. And the big idea is learning to trust God. Even when he doesn't make sense, learn to trust God. Learn to believe. You know, C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite quote guys, Saying, you know, God whispers in our pleasures. And he does. Um, he speaks in our con- to our conscience. He speaks. But then C.S. Lewis said this. But shouts, he shouts in our pain. It is, his, it is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world, or may I say, a deaf ear. See, see, God wants us to pay attention to him. And sometimes, sometimes he allows difficulty to come in our life that we might depend on him. That we might trust him. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. So we continue verse 4. So when Jesus heard it, it being the sickness, when he heard that, that someone he loved was sick, when he heard it, he said these words. He said, this sickness, this sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. He said, this sickness is not going to end in death. In other words, listen, listen, listen. The end result is not going to be death. Now, what did he not say? He didn't say it wouldn't involve a death. He said it's not going to end in death. You remember, remember the boys? You know, they, got in the, they were going to get in the boat with Jesus going to the other side. And, and you know, Jesus said, hey, get in the boat. We're going to where? The other side. The other side. So the promise was what? We're going to the other side. Not there wouldn't be storms. Not there wouldn't be waves. Not there wasn't going to be wind. The promise simply was this. Well, the same thing is here. 
Okay, he's making it clear. Listen, this sickness, the end result of this sickness will not be death. Let, let me do something for you to help you see it. You know, I'm going to take this and rearrange the scripture just a little bit. Do, I will no way distract and no way uh, remake. Okay, this sickness, this sickness is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. But the end won't be death. Did you see something there? This sickness, you aren't going to like this. This sickness is for the glory of God. See, see the business, the business that God is in, and that is to bring glory to his name. And sometimes, and sometimes, you're not going to like this. Sometimes the difficulty, a sickness, a trial, a tribulation is allowed by God to come into our lives so that he might receive glory. See, see, listen, listen. You know, God, God is so much more interested in our holiness than our happiness. He has, this, he has this purpose thing going on. And the purpose is, is that we might glorify his name. So this sickness, Lazarus, this sickness is for the glory of God and so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. But it won't end in death. It won't, the end result will not be death. Okay, here's something the first crowd didn't get, so you're going to get it. It's true today. Even, listen, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, death is never the final result. You may die physically, but if you put your faith and trust in the man who died on the cross, you'll never die eternally. It's true. Amen. It is true. It is true. It is true. So this death will not end the result. And our death, if we put our faith and trust in Jesus, does not end permanently. Okay? Now, Get ready. Fasten your seatbelts. Listen to this. Now, Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. There it is. So, so we got Mary and Martha, and they love Jesus. We have Lazarus, who loves Jesus, and Jesus loves him. And now we get the whole picture. Jesus loves Martha, her sister, and Mary. Okay, now, here's Lazarus and, and Mary. Now, listen to this. What, what's the natural conclusion? As soon as he gets the message, he goes, listen... Peter, get your shoes on. John, get your shoes on. We got to go now because our friend Lazarus is sick and they love us and we love them and we got to go right now. Isn't that what we expect? When we expect Jesus to jump up? He doesn't. He doesn't. In fact, he does what he does in our lives sometimes. See, we think he'll jump up. So he, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Wait, no, wait, Dwayne, that messes with my theology. That, that messes with the way my perception of God is. Everybody knows when you do what God likes, he gives you special favor. And then you get what you want all the time. You're messing with my, my mental state. You're messing with my spiritual state. You're messing with my theology here. Well, the bottom line is, he didn't jump up. He stayed two more days in the place where he was. Of course, see, Jesus, I believe, as the Son of God, knew a little bit of things that we didn't know. See, the Bible says, you know, verse 17 is going to say, we're going to get there. You know, verse 17 says, you know, when he got to Bethany, he found out that Lazarus had been in the tomb how many days? Four days. Four days. 
And we always say, four days late, four days late. Whoa, 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 whoa. It took one day for the messenger to get from Bethany to where Jesus was. Jesus lingered two more days. One, two. And then it took a day for Jesus to get from where he was to Bethany. How many days is that? That's four. How many days was Lazarus already in the tomb? Four days. Guess when Lazarus died? The day the messenger left. Sometime after he left, Lazarus died. See, and that's, that's just huge. That's just huge. So it made, because of what Jesus was planning, I'll go and say this now in case I miss it last next time, okay? In case I miss it later. Listen to this. See, the deal is, if Jesus was going to do a healing, he was late. But what if Jesus was going to do a resurrection? He was spot on time. See, 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 God's got different plans for us, and, and you need to understand that He may not be on time for your purpose, but He's on time for His purpose. And His purpose is... Now, are you listening? Are you writing this down? This will help you. The next time you're so mad at God, you just can't stand it because He let me down again. This is going to help you. We don't, we don't serve a let down God. Come on. We don't serve a let down God. We serve a God, though, that will bring glory to his name. And acts is for our good, by the way. Acts for our good. Well, anyway, you need to understand something. We need to stay faithful in the mystery. This mystery about when God doesn't make sense. We've got to stay faithful. We've got to remember Isaiah 55, 8. That, that my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts and your thoughts, says the Lord. That his thinking, his processing, his purposes are so much larger than what we believe. What we believe. He goes on here. Anything under God's control is never out of control. Believe that. I believe in the sovereignty of Almighty God. I don't think Satan can sit on the sideline, take pot shots at me, and Jesus sits by and goes, well, good luck, bud. I believe our God's sovereign. I mean, read the story of Job. I mean, it's biblical. It's biblical. So anything in God's control, and which is everything, is not out of control. You see, you see, we were made by God. Rick Warren says this. You were made by God and for God. You were made by God and for God. And until you understand that, life will never make sense. Do you see it? You were made for whose purpose? You were made by God and for God. And that will... Until you understand that, life will never make sense. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. You want to hear what Western culture serves up? You want to hear the twisted tale that Western culture serves up? Western culture serves this up. God was made by you and for you. And until you understand that's not true, life will never make sense. God was made by you and for you. And until you understand that doesn't work, life will never make sense. Uh, Patrick Morley wrote a book called The Man in the Mirror. Great book. Good men's book, guys. And in that book, i never forget, he, he quoted this. He wrote this and said this. There is a God who is and a God we want. And they are not the same. And they're not the same. And I'm telling you, in Western culture, this is what we did. Not just prosperity gospel. We have done this in the church. We have created a God that's not biblical, but we've created a God that says, God... I'm putting my quarter in now. You deliver. 
know, God, I'm going to rub your belly now, and the genie should pop out and give me what I want. So we've created this God, and it won't work because it's not the true God. It's not the real God. Well, let's move on. Verse number 11. We're going to skip a few verses. Um, Jesus says something like, okay, we need to go to Judea. And they said, bad idea, Jesus. Last time we were there, chapter 10, they tried to stone you and kill you. You shouldn't go back there. Jesus says, listen, while it's daylight, we've got to work. Got to do what we've got to do for the kingdom. Got to do it. Okay, so, so after he had said this in verse number 11, uh, he told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. So what are they thinking? He's better. You know, have you ever had that flu or something? You just rock and roll and rock and roll. Oh, and you're agony and pain. You know, well, they figure, you know, if he's sleeping, he's got to be better. So they're saying, well, that's good. We don't, have to, we don't have to go to Judah. We don't have to get stoned. All about that. So in verse number 14, he said, a friend's falling asleep. I'm on my way to wake him up. Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. Now keep in mind, he died day one. Lazarus has died. Now watch. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there. So you may believe. Now let's go to him. I'm glad. Did you get that? I'm glad for your sakes I wasn't there. I'm glad for your sakes I wasn't there to speak a word. I'm glad I wasn't there. Because I want you to believe. I want you to believe. And then he says, let's go to him. And to which someone responds, probably Peter, and goes, uh, Jesus, him is dead. Him is dead. There's no sense. We're not going to him. We're going to his funeral, but we're not going to him because him is dead. Well, we've got to understand something. That, that God has a greater purpose for our suffering. He has a greater purpose. You know, Jesus could do something about the situation. You know, John Piper, John Piper said, this is, I wrote down on my, in big letters on my little notes, I put excellent. You know, this is God's universal purpose for all Christian suffering. I think he's right, by the way. This is God's universal purpose for all Christian suffering, you know. Um, Our response in our Western culture would be, yeah, don't suffer. I want to be happy. I want to live a long life. I want to make a lot of money. I want a great retirement in Florida. Um, and then I want to die an easy death and go to heaven. That's, that's it. This is God's universal purpose for all Christian suffering. Number one, more contentment in God. More contentment in God. And less satisfaction in the world. John Piper's spot on. He's spot on. You know, the purpose of God allowing suffering in our life is more contentment in God, to be more satisfied with God. Now, not church and not religion, to be more satisfied with God. Let, let, me, let me put it in real easy terms for you. This is God's universal purpose for all Christian suffering. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. You know, you're, you're sick, Jesus is enough. Are you hurting? Jesus is enough. If, is your marriage in trouble? Jesus is enough. Are your kids walking away? Are your parents difficult? Jesus is enough. Uh, has career change happened? Jesus is enough. COVID? Jesus is enough. No COVID? Jesus is enough. Mass? No mass? Jesus is enough. Amen. 
Jesus is enough. And then, less satisfaction in the world. The world is never enough. The world, he wants us to learn, the world is never enough. And he, the way he teaches us that is to bring suffering into our life and go, this stinks. This stinks. Heaven's going to be great, but this stinks. So, so suffering comes into our lives. Okay? But there's a reason and there's a purpose. Well, verse number 17. So, so when, when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus, here we go, had already been in the grave four days. Four days. Now listen, you need to write this down. God is never late. We are impatient. God is never late. We are impatient. God is never late. And again, if Jesus was planning a healing, is he too late? Yeah, he's dead. Him is dead. Hey, remember him? He's dead. But see, Jesus wasn't planning a healing. He was planning a resurrection, which means he's spot on time. See, see, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Listen, God might seem too late for your purpose, but God's not working on your purpose. He's working on his purpose. And trust me, on his purpose, he is spot on time. See, Four days, and this is another reason for it, four days would have totally removed any doubt. Uh, the Jews believed that the spirit could linger around the body for like three days, okay? But after three days, the spirit left, and all natural hope was gone, okay? Listen, listen. So at day number four, all natural hope was gone. There was none. There was none, okay? But that set up the miracle of the resurrection. It set it up. So, so when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Just a reminder, Bethany was near Jerusalem, the epicenter of all, all things God. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. It's a perfect setup for a funeral. Him is dead. Okay, but watch this, watch this. Look at verse number 20. So as soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, okay, she went to meet him, and Mary remained seated in the house. Now, Mary makes two key statements that are very important. Okay? Number one is this. Look at verse 21. Then Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And I think the teaching point would say this. You know, Martha, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But, but Martha, let me ask you a question. Or make a statement. If, you're, if your brother hadn't died... You have missed his resurrection. See, Jesus? See what Jesus wants us to see? If, if I'd have been here and healed your brother, we'd have celebrated that. And by the way, I still think, Brent, you know, if Jesus had healed Lazarus, it'd been a small footnote. You know, somewhere in John it would have said, oh, by the way, and Lazarus was sick and Jesus healed him. End of story. Have a nice day. But because of the resurrection, this thing is huge. This scripture and following scriptures all build around the death and resurrection of Lazarus. So, I have a question. So, are we willing are we willing to risk death to gain a resurrection? What are you willing to put on the line with God and risk its death that you can have a resurrection? A career? Are you willing, are you willing, hey, husband, are you willing to put your marriage entirely 
in the hands of God? Because you know it's in trouble. Are you willing to say, God, I can't do this, and give it to God so you can have a resurrection? Hey, parents, are you willing to put your kids in the hands of God so you can experience a resurrection? Are you willing to change and put your career in God's hands so you can experience a resurrection? Are you willing to put your future in God's hands so you can experience a resurrection? See, see, we can, we can get our wishes, and we may have a minor, a minor miracle, a healing, but God may have something big. But it requires trusting Him. It requires trusting Him. Yes, Martha, I know if, if, you know, if, we, had, if we had showed up, we could have done a minor miracle. But I had something so much bigger in mind. Then he goes on and says this, verse 22. She says, yet even now, even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give it to you. Now, even now. You know what a statement of faith that is? It's like Abraham. You know, when, when Abraham took Isaac up on the mountain, Isaac's the promised son, and God says, take your son up and offer him on sacrifice. Abraham just believed that somehow Isaac was coming back down the mountain. And, and Martha's saying, I know he's dead. I know him is dead. But I know this too, God. Even somehow right now, you can give from God whatever he wants. Huh. How about that? Billy Graham said this. You know, the Christian life is not a constant high. It's not. Western culture teaches you, get saved, get right, everything's good. Well, the, the Christian, Billy Graham says the Christian life is not a constant high. I have my moments of deep discouragement. I have to say to God in prayer and tears in my eyes, oh God, forgive me and help me. Forgive me and help me. Well, in verse 23, in verse 23, Jesus tells Martha, okay, your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Okay, isn't that cool? Your, your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Now, now he was thinking, <laughs> this is cool, she was thinking years later, decades later, millennial later, Jesus is thinking in a few minutes. See, he's thinking miracles, she's thinking theology. Nothing wrong with theology, but she's thinking theology. And we know that because so he says in verse 24, the same woman, the same woman who just said, you even, yet even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. That same woman who spoke that statement of faith now says... Uh, yes, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Same person, yet totally different. And I think her theology got in the way of her faith. I mean, you know, theology is so important. It's so important. But don't let it mess. Listen, don't let the aim of your faith to become an academician. Keep your faith alive. Keep your life, your faith active. Keep it moving. Amen. Don't let it get in the way of the miracle-working God that we serve. Don't be satisfied with facts. They didn't get this in the first service. Don't be satisfied with facts when you can have an active faith in God. Amen. Amen? All right. All right. Verse 25. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Let me break that down for you. When Jesus said, I am the resurrection... Here's what he's saying. I take dead things and make them alive. 
Come on now. Hey, 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 hey. He can take your dead marriage and bring it back to life. He can take your dead husband and bring him back to life. Or your wife. He can take your family and bring it back to life. He can take a dead church and bring it back to life. He can take a dead country and bring it back to life. He can. I take dead things and bring them back to life. And I love this. He takes things that are living and make them more alive. He takes things that are living. You remember John 10.10? 10? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come. I have come. That they may have life and have what? More abundantly. So Jesus says, hey, Martha, I take dead things and bring them back. You know, I know him as dead. I know him as dead. But listen, I bring dead things back to life. And Martha, your faith may be struggling right now, but I can make you more alive than you've ever been. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? So he says in verse 26, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And this is the most important question. Do you believe this? I mean, more important than your career, more important than what school you're going to attend, more important than who you're going to marry, single or not, is this. Do you believe this? In this crazy, I love Lucy world that makes no sense, do you believe this? Do you believe me? Do you believe me? One more Rick Warren quote. He's the guy of the week, I guess. Without God, life has no purpose. Without God, life has no purpose. Um, life has no meaning. Without meaning, life has no significance or hope. So what is Martha's response going to be? Do you believe this, Martha? You know, I know him is dead over there, but do you believe this? Here's what she said. I believe. I believe. I messed with your head a couple, three months ago. Let me mess with it. You probably know it's coming now, but, but let me mess with you one more time. You know, we always talk about faith and belief, faith and belief. Faith is enough, faith is enough. And faith is not enough. And believing is not enough. You say, what do you mean? Why are you preaching heresy? No, no, no. See, that faith and belief has to have a direction. I mean, I can believe that that cow's a dog, but it don't make it so. And you can believe coming to church will save you, but that don't make it so. You can believe that being baptized. You can believe that being a Baptist can get you to heaven. But that don't make it so. See, you've got to have faith and believe, but that faith and belief has got to be directed in the right way. And that one focused way is this. It's this. It's not Dorsville Baptist Church. It's not going to church two times a week. It's not writing a check. It's not even doing you know, ministry. You know, this is the way to heaven. Jesus Christ, the man on the cross, his sacrificial death, turning from your sin. That's what the way to heaven is. How do you get to heaven? Faith in Jesus. Not just faith. Faith in Jesus. And she said, yes, Lord, I believe you are. And what Jesus is saying to you today if you're here and you've never trusted Christ and saying, yeah, I really need a good dose of religion. No, you don't. Avoid religion. You need a good relationship with Jesus. And you get that by believing what he did on the cross and what he did through an empty tomb. He resurrected the third day. And when you're willing to turn from your sin and follow him, then you can have eternal life. I believe. I believe. I believe you're the Messiah the Son, the living God. You know, Romans 10, 9 says, if we openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts 
that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. We'll be saved. So there's two big pictures. One, if you're here today or you're listening on Facebook or maybe on the radio, you know, have you come to that conclusion that you believe? Believe what? Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Believe that he died for your sins. He resurrected on the third day. If you ask him to, he'll forgive your sins. You turn from your sin, you follow him. Have you done that? There's no, there's no greater question. You don't get a mulligan in front of God. No, I, I know it's, it's old now and it doesn't work really, but remember the old thing where they used to say, if you were to die and stand before God, what would you say? And he would say, why shall I let you in my heaven? What do you say? I know it doesn't work. But the truth is, there's no other name given under heaven whereby we can be and must be saved. Must be saved. The second part is this. There's a world out there who desperately needs to see Jesus. And what we do with that question, loving God even if, what do you do when God doesn't come through? That's so crucial because if they don't see an active faith in our life, they're not going to want what we got. So we got we to nail some things down. That we're going to trust God and love God even if. What the songs say? And even if you don't, my hope is still in you. We've got to come to that conclusion that we're going to trust God. Believing that his purpose is better than ours. His way is higher than ours. And if we don't see the answer here, we'll see it in a place called heaven when we get there. Well, this is our time of decision. And uh, friend Brent's going to be standing down front here. And if you're here today, um, man, we'd love to talk to you about Jesus. He'll be standing right here. Um, the altar's open if you want to come pray. If there's a decision about what church to join or something like that, we'd love to talk with you about that. If you're on Facebook, if you'll get the church office to call at 252-1862 tomorrow, uh, my phone number is 499-0070. Feel free to call me. I'd love to talk with you about Jesus. I'm just telling you, this is big and this is huge. Let's pray. Hey, God, thank you very, very much for allowing me to share this truth today. Um, I want to pray, Father, one, it will be solid rock in our lives. Uh, help us to trust you even if, even if, help us to trust you. Um, Father, help us not try to create a God that isn't, but rather trust the one who is. And for my friends that might be listening today um, who have never put their faith and trust in you, Jesus, may today be the day. Would you call them and woo them to yourself that they may come to know you as personal Savior. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name.